that's what I did. I got him in camera. I'm watching, you know, crouched low, ready to draw. Finally, he drops his head down into the drinker. Uh, and I go to move my bow to, to draw and I hit something. I don't, I don't know if the bow hit something, if my foot hit something, but some noise was made and I see on the camera, he pops his head right up and looks over. Uh, so I just freeze and he like, he probably looked for a second or two, didn't see anything, went right back to drinking. I thought, oh man, I can't believe I got away with that. Okay. Uh, so still crouched low, I draw the bow back and then I just rise up slowly on my knees, uh, to, to look at him. He doesn't see me like he doesn't stop drinking. He doesn't I can see his eyeball, but it just, I, I don't know if he was so focused on drinking or whatever. Didn't care. Didn't move. Welcome to hunting stories brought to you by late to the game outdoors. Everyone loves a good story and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So pull up a seat around the campfire because here we go. What's up guys? We are now fully in to fall of 2022, or at least the fall season. I realize it's still technically summer, uh, but this is the story of my first hunt of the fall. Uh, and so I'm just, I'm pumped. It's, it, I assume most people listening, this is our favorite time of year. Uh, and it feels like it's officially underway now uh, that a hunt is behind me. Um, this is my archery antelope hunt in Arizona. Uh, I've been pumped about this since I drew it. Um, it's the first time I've ever hunted speed goats. Uh, and so, man, uh, so excited going into it. And uh, almost everything went wrong. Uh, I shouldn't say almost everything. There were plenty of good things. There was some good action. There were cool stuff. We'll get into all of that. But there was a lot of bad luck that befell. Um, to the point where I I'm not a terribly superstitious guy. But I've I've thought about calling the film of this hunt lucky number 13. Because I had 13 points when I drew it, and then just a nonstop deluge of bad luck befell. Um, we'll get into that. The bad luck started actually a week before the hunt was supposed to open. So it was a Friday morning. I was driving to the archery range early just to, you know, a little more practice. I, I had just put a new sight tape on, so I wanted to confirm those distances, uh, all that stuff. And my transmission blew up in my truck. It happens. It was an older truck, uh, but it also led to this whole, I mean, I had done the fuel pump a few weeks before. I actually had a part waiting for me at AutoZone because something else was wrong. Like, it was just what in the world is happening with this old truck and, you know, how many more things are going to go wrong. So, ultimately made that tough call with the uh, advice of a good buddy and mechanic uh, to just cut her loose, uh, trade her in, uh, get something different. But I did not have time. Like this was Friday. I had to travel for work Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and if you're listening to this in the future, uh, just for for history's sake, this is late summer 2022, which is, you know, the worst time in my lifetime to be trying to buy a truck. Uh, just supplies are super low. Economy's a mess. Like bad things are going on in the world. Uh, but it's the it's the hand we're dealt. So Anyway, long story short, came back from my trip late Sunday night. Monday, I was able to find a truck uh, and buy it, but it you know how it is if you're buying a truck. Like It took most of the day, which set me behind the eight ball for work stuff, and my plan was to leave Thursday afternoon, get up, get camp set, uh, be there and ready first thing opening morning, 
<clears throat> and that just wasn't possible. Like there were just too many loose ends I had to tie up. Uh, so I wasn't able to leave uh, until, you know, late Friday morning. And then that, even that was fraught with disaster. Uh, I, I just, I think just the chaos of the week and all that had happened and how uh, under the gun I felt like I just was forgetting stupid stuff. So loading up my truck took longer than it should have. Cause I found out, uh, the rack I had purchased for my e-bike. Cause that was my plan. So like cruise the two track roads on this, uh, this fat tire e-bike, which is pretty sweet. Um, but the rack wasn't cooperating. So I had to like reconfigure everything to strap it down in the bed of the truck. Um, finally left, uh, realized that I forgot my GoPro on my desk. So like I got from my house to the freeway, circled back, uh, picked up the camera, left again, got to the outskirts of town this time and realized that I forgot my tag. Such a rookie move, but I'm sure all of us have had this happen at one point or another. So circled all the way back around uh, to pick up my tag because there's a lot of things I would just do without. Be like, oh, I forgot that. Okay, I'll adapt, um, which there were things I discovered along the way, but uh, but a tag's not one of them. So I finally finally get on the road uh and my plan because this was you know this antelope country i had i had scouted it out the month before uh i plan to pick up my pop-up camper which i kind of keep i keep parked most of the year at uh my in-laws cabin uh up in northern arizona and uh, my plan was to okay swing by there pick up the camper and then continue on to my unit and uh you know sleep in the camper take the bike out of camp every morning and uh just be sweet what I discovered when I got there uh, is something that I should have thought of, but I just, I never buy new vehicles. It's just sort of been a policy of mine. Uh, and things being are what they are right now, honestly, the the least bad idea was to buy a new truck. So I had a, a brand new Tacoma, managed to find a stick shift, which I love and they're impossible to find. So it was just awesome that it was there. Uh, but I pulled into the cabin with... I think just under 300 miles on that truck. Uh, and my uncle-in-law uh, reminded me that, hey, you should check your uh, your manual because a lot of these, you know, most new trucks have like a break-in period and there's stuff you're supposed to not do until you have so many miles. And sure enough, I'm not supposed to tow until I had at least 500 miles, I think. And man, I, I thought so hard about just testing it like eh, what's what what could possibly happen and you know if something goes wrong it's under warranty and he assured me that if something goes wrong and they crack it open and determine that it was user error uh, or abuse or you know like I towed a camper when I wasn't supposed to they're not going to honor it and so the last thing in the world I wanted to do was uh, break the truck that cost more than I ever thought I would spend on a truck so left the camper there uh, and obviously I was picking up my camper so I didn't bring like a backup sleep system or a tent or anything. I uh, didn't want to stop at Walmart or whatever and just pick up the whole, you know, a tent, a pad, a sleeping bag, like ugh, it'd be a mess. So just decided I'm going to sleep in the truck. Um, just, you know, lean that passenger seat back, <laughs> throw a blanket over me, make the best of it. Uh, so finally get up to camp, uh, get set up and, you know, I have a few, uh, probably two hours or so of light to glass. And so just kind of walked out to the edge of this hill right next to camp, uh, looked around and, uh, saw two lone antelope way out, way like five, six, seven miles way out in the distance. You, you know, just basically like a speck of white and tan that is moving. And that's how, you know, it's an antelope. <laughs> 
Like, that's all I got. Guys, I want to tell you real quick about one of the most game-changing memberships in my entire hunting arsenal, Go Hunt. I've had an insider membership for a few years now, and it's absolutely changed how I find hunts, where I buy gear, and in the last year, it's changed how I e-scout and use maps in the field. Honestly, I think an insider membership is a necessity for anyone who plans to hunt multiple states across the West. But Go Hunt also just released their Explorer membership, which gives you access to the maps for all 50 states, plus their incredible gear shop, and all the benefits that it offers for a fraction of the cost of the full insider membership. So whether you want to go all in with the draw odds, the gear, and the maps as an insider, or you just want to get incredible desktop and mobile maps while building points towards top-of-the-line gear, Go Hunt has a membership that'll fit your hunting life. And if you use the code LATE at checkout, you'll get money towards the gear shop right out of the gate. Uh, for insiders, you'll get 50 bucks to the gear shop, and Explorer members will get 20 So head over to Go Hunt and use the code LATE to snag your free gear and take your planning and mapping game to whole new levels today. Uh, but, okay, good sign. Uh, opening day, I glassed two antelope, and that was all I could do. So the next morning, I head out on my bike. And I wanted to just stop at a glassing point. Like I, I had brought a blind with me and I figured I would end up sitting water. Like it's just, if you've got the patience for it, it's the most effective way, at least in this country and this unit that most units in Arizona, we don't have the antelope numbers of a place like Wyoming or something where they're just everywhere and you can blow a stalk and then glass up another group 10 minutes later and stalk that group. Um, like I, I didn't want to be chasing around the few antelope that were there. Uh, it seemed more efficient to to sit water, but I, I would have liked to spot and stalk. So found a, a, a glassing knob that I had spent some time on um, when I was scouting it out and glassing along and, and I find an antelope uh, and it beds down, or at least I assume it beds down. Like I was watching it move and then it stopped moving and then it stayed in that spot for like 20 minutes or more. Uh, I thought, okay, surely like... If he was just eating, he would have moved at least a little bit, but he has just been right there next to this bush for 20 minutes. It's got to be bedded down. And it was far enough away that I couldn't, like even through the spotter, I could see it was an antelope. It was all alone, so I assumed it was a buck because the rut really hadn't been firing up yet. And I just thought, okay, well, he's in a spot. I'm going to make a run at him, see, see if I can close the distance, get eyes on him, and, and make a play from there. Just as I was packing up all my stuff on top of that uh, glassing spot, uh, I hear a voice from behind me, which when you think you're alone in the desert is the scariest thing imaginable, uh, just startled the crap out of me. I'm sure I squealed some little baby calf sort of noise. Uh, and it actually, it was this, uh, this younger guy who happened to be the son of the other tag holder in the unit. So there were only two archery tags for this hunt. So I knew there would be one other guy in there chasing them. Um, and this guy, Seth just kind of came up and started talking to me and explained the plan said, okay, my, my dad's sitting in this tank over here. We have blinds on these other couple tanks. Um, and I told him, okay, well, I've got this antelope bedded, so I'm going to head over there. Um, and it, it was really cool. It was just sort of like kind of that basic touching base saying, here's my plan. Here's my plan. Let's, let's figure out how to stay out of each other's way. Uh, and we exchanged numbers. Uh, that, that was about it. So I hopped on my bike and, you know, kind of cruised these roads and, and closed the gap and finally got to where I could, you know, creep up over this rise and glass where I last saw that buck. And there was nothing there, like just, just gone, which fair enough to him. Like from the, I had packed up my glass, uh, talked to Seth for a little bit, 
got it. It was probably it was at least an hour from the last time I looked at that antelope till I got over there. So he could have gone anywhere. Who knows? But at that point, I thought, okay, I'm I'm right here. There's you know, I had checked a few tanks when I was scouting and sort of marked which ones had the best sign, um, and I knew where their blinds were. And so at this point, I was already like, oh, well, I'm kind of just up this road from this other tank that that I have marked as a tank, but I haven't been there. Uh, let me drive and check that out. So uh, I rode my bike up there. Best sign I had seen on the tank yet. Like just tons of antelope tracks. Uh, this is heavy cattle country. There's a bunch of cows just all up in there. So you see cow tracks everywhere you go. Uh, but this one just had a nice concentration of antelope tracks. And I thought this is awesome. It's now Saturday midday. Uh, I figured I'm going to head back to camp, pick up my blind, uh, try to get a little charge on the bike. I'm going to drive back out here to, uh, to set up my blind. Maybe I'll have a couple hours to sit it. Um, but you know, I, I was already starting to think like, I realized I had been on one stock already, but based on what I was already seeing and thinking and knowing that these guys are in here and I didn't want to be like riding through or stalking through, you know, screwing up their, uh, ambush hunt. I was just already accepting, you know what, this seems like a good tank. I'm going to set up the blind. I'm going to sit water for at least a couple days, see what happens. So ride back to camp, uh, fire up the generator, plug the bike in, uh, you know, ate some lunch, packed up the blind, all that stuff. And now th this bike has like a, it says anywhere from, you know, a 20 to 40 mile range on a charge. Uh, I'm a slightly bigger guy, so I know that there's some extra weight on there. Uh, and, and I... I love the throttle feature on it. So you can like pedal and the motor assists, uh, which is fine. You know, it just feels like you're, you're not putting a lot of effort down, but you're getting some good speed or you can just twist that throttle like a motorcycle and it'll just zip along for you, which is the best. Um, especially for the butt, uh, that sounds weird, but let me explain. Uh, if you're not a bike rider, uh, as I am not, uh, your butt is not prepared for what is going to happen when you're riding down dirt, uh, often washboarded roads, um, these little two tracks that have a lot of spots of erosion and, you know, just sections that get kind of technical, uh, man, after that first ride there and back, I had put on 20, 25 miles on that bike. My butt was already sore uh, and it was only going to get worse from there. Um, so uh, I say all that to say like that throttle lets you kind of keep some weight on your legs and keep some weight off of your butt and is way more comfortable. So all that to say, I had, I had run the battery down to probably about a quarter charge, uh, plugged it in, eating lunch, sitting there in the shade, just, uh, just resting. And as time's going, like that bike's been plugged in for about two hours. It says it's right at about half charge. And, and I feel like the day is slipping away and, and I should have, like thought this through better. Uh, but essentially I was like, okay, half charge will at least get me, you know, there, maybe some of the way back. Worst case, I just have to pedal the thing, uh, to get the rest of the way back. Right. Piece of cake. But I didn't want to sit there for just hours and hours waiting for it to be fully charged. So I ride out there, set up my blind. Uh, it's probably three, three thirty at this point. Um, and, and I'm like, okay, I've got some time. I'm, I'm just going to sit here. Like, I know there's been a lot of commotion. Uh, these things can see for miles and miles, uh, but this tank is largely kind of down in a, in a depression of sorts. So, you know, sitting in the blind, I really couldn't see all that far in most directions. Like antelope would have to just crest the hill and come on down. So I thought it's possible. I could sit here, let things settle down for an hour and maybe something comes in for the evening. 
so I do that. And after about an hour, hour and a half, I'm hearing thunder. I can see clouds off in the distance. And I, I start watching the radar on my phone. And it just looks like there this massive thunderstorm is going to just plow right into me. Uh, my best prediction is probably about the time I would be wanting to leave at the end of the day. And I thought, man, this is just like flat, wide open country. I don't want to be riding a bike down a dirt road in a flash flood area in a lightning storm on this flat terrain. Like it all just seemed like a bad idea. Uh, and and I'm, I'm solo hunting. So the one of the main reasons my wife even lets me go solo hunting uh, is because I, I promise and I do use an extra degree of caution when I'm solo. Like it, it's not time to play around. Like if there's, you know, you want to hunt hard and take calculated chances when needed, but like be smart about it. You're alone. Don't take foolish risks. So I just decided, man, I got to get out of here. Like, let me start this path back because my bike might die. It might take a little extra long to get back. Uh, and so I start heading back uh, and pretty quickly, like I had hardly left my blind when the battery was at, you know, like two bars and one bar. And then like I could feel the throttle wasn't doing much as I was pedaling. There wasn't a lot of uh, power being given. Um, and that is when I discovered that in fairly sandy dirt, uh, at times with a massive headwind from this storm, an 80 pound bike is really, really hard to pedal. Uh, and it was just, it was killing me. So it, like I could not, even in the lowest gear, if I was trying to go uphill, especially into the wind, like I just, my legs were toast. I just couldn't do it. Uh, so, I mean, I could do it for a little bit, but not consistently. Uh, and a lot of it's just this flat kind of rolling ground. So even just a gradual uphill, you know, you'd make it a little bit and then like, then I'm just gassed, like legs are burning and cramping. And so I was about 10 miles from my camp. And I probably pushed that bike close to half of that distance, like just had to hop off, push it along. Uh, I would find like a flat or a, especially a downhill section, hop back on, try to let gravity do some work for me, pick up some speed, make up some time. But it took me, I think, two and a half hours to get back to camp. And I was just so incredibly gassed. So fired up the generator, plugged in the bike, ate dinner, did all that stuff and, and realized that, oh man, okay. After I think it had been on for three hours, it was halfway charged. So perfect. This thing takes six hours to charge fully, uh, which is fine. Uh, sleeping in my truck next to the generator, uh, just kind of set an alarm. Like, okay, it probably has about three more hours. I'll set an alarm. I'll wake up. I'll check it. I'll shut off the generator. Uh, cause I don't want to just like burn all my gas all night long. And so that, that is fine. Bike is charged middle of the night. Um, and you know, hop out of the truck, turn off the generator, hop back in, go back to sleep, uh, wake up early in the morning and head out to start getting things ready, go to check on the bike and immediately discover the front tire is flat. And I'm just like, you've got, you've got to be kidding me. Like I, I'm trying to get to my blind by like first light. And now I have a flat tire here. Um, and you may, sorry, I should back up, may ask like, well, you have this new four-wheel drive uh, Tacoma, you should just head back there. Uh, yes, ordinarily. Uh, this is a legitimate flash flood zone and not I don't, maybe half a mile down the road from where I was camped. The road was just completely washed out. 
this, this, I mean, there was a flash flood a few days prior. Uh, so the road has been eroded. There's a couple of deep grooves from these other hunters who had driven through, but even they had to carve around like through the wash and up this other side because the road itself had just this massive, massive like lake in the middle of it. Um, and I, th- I thought, man, I know, I know the truck could handle it. I still have my uncle-in-law ringing in my head about like, Hey, don't, if you're going into like muddy soupy stuff, you know, that clutch hasn't really like seeded in yet. And so you could get a glaze on it and it'll start slipping and, you know, they'll look at it and see all the hot spots and say, Hey, you did this. We're not going to cover it. <clears throat> so like, I'm freaked out by that. I'm also like, Hey, there's, you know, I just raced a storm home the night before. I don't want to get onto the other side of this, have another flood come through, make the road even worse. And now I'm stuck on the other side and can't get out. So, uh, that is why the bike was just so important because you can't get a bike stuck. You just hop off and push it around. Um, so now I've got to fix this tire and I have this emergency like bike repair kit that I bought and just strapped to the frame thinking that's, you know, boy scout in me, be prepared, but didn't plan on using it on day two. Uh, and so there I am just like, okay, let me pop this wheel off and you know, I've, I think I've changed an inner tube on my son's bike once, which is the only way I knew out there with like shoddy cell service where I couldn't really get good instructions from camp, uh, just dove in and figured it out and found this tiny little hole looked like probably a cactus spine. It just popped in there, uh, threw a patch on it, put it all back together, pumped it up, hoped it would hold like that. That was my whole plan. So later start to the day, went out to that blind and uh just sat there all day long like it was uneventful nothing came in just sat there cooking and trying not to die uh and then you know came out of there late that like just it you know after light was gone uh came out of there rode home in the rode back to camp in the dark uh planning to start the next day and just head back to that blind and, and wait it out like you know things don't come in every day so no big deal <clears throat> so I get out there, sit in my blind, uh, and probably an hour or two into my sit, I get a text from uh, Seth, the other hunter, or the other hunter's son, who we had actually been texting since we exchanged numbers. Uh, Turned out to just be a really friendly guy, really helpful. Uh, Like, we actually, I found that tank uh, and went back to get my blind and texted him, hey, I found this tank, you know, it's like, it's the next tank over from where your dad's sitting, I'm going to put my blind there. Uh, and then he texted me back like, Oh, I think we just found that tank. Like they, they decided to move a, one of their tanks or one of their blinds off of a different tank that wasn't getting any action, move it there. Uh, he said, it's probably that same tank, but we're not planning to use it right now. Uh, you're welcome to sit in our blind if you want, like a uh, super cool guy. <laughs> so he texts me uh, a picture of his dad next to a buck and it says, Hey, he, he just tagged out. Um, and then also said like, Hey, he missed a buck last night at this same tank. Uh, he chose not to shoot a smaller one at this tank earlier that day. He said, we're heading back to camp to process this thing and, and we'll pick up some of our other blinds. So if you're want, you're more than welcome to come sit this blind. My dad just shot this buck out of. And I thought, what a, like, who does that? Like, what a great dude. Um, and yeah, he based on, so I sat that tank a couple hours, the one day, all day, the day before, and the first couple hours of the morning that day hadn't seen anything. He's seen, you know, three bucks in that same time. Yeah, I'm going to move. So took him up on his offer, went and sat in the blind. He even said like, Hey, there's a cooler in there. It's got Gatorades. It's got lunch, like eat it all, uh, make yourself at home. 
just great dudes. Um, it also happened to be like the Cadillac of blinds. It that thing was big and tall and had like the super nice like swivel blind chair in it. Uh, it was way more comfortable than the than the situation I was running. So just sat in there all day, uh, ate his lunch, ate my lunch. Uh, it was great, uh, but I didn't see any any bucks. I that's not true. I saw one buck way out in the distance he i needed him to come southeast into my tank and he was heading northeast uh and i actually happened to see seth's truck driving like they were going to intersect like so this this buck was kind of walking along the road and i see his red truck coming i'm like oh this would be perfect he'll drive right by spook this buck maybe it turns and runs my direction the buck did not care it looked back at his truck and just kept going at a moderate pace in the direction it was already headed um, but in all of that, uh, Seth and his dad were kind of taking the long way around, cleaning up, uh, you know, picking up their other blinds while I was sitting in theirs. Uh, and he basically just said like, Hey, let me text me when you're like 20 minutes from, Hey, I think I'm going to get out of the blind and we'll come by, we'll pack up our blind. Uh, we'll give you a ride back to camp. Even along the way, uh, he texted me that afternoon and said, dude, we, we just rolled up on this other tank to pick up our blind. Uh, there were three bucks sitting here and they didn't even care. Like they, they were stomping at us and like, Hey, this, this is our tank. You get out of here. Um, and he, he said, this is actually our favorite tank. We just hadn't been sitting it cause the cattle have kind of taken over it. But you know, there were bucks and cattle here at this tank. They seem to just leave each other alone. Uh, he said, if you want, we will happily pick up your blind, move it to this tank and you can sit here tomorrow. I think it, it's where the most action is going to be at. And I said, again, I'm like, man, what kind of guys do this for a random person they met two days ago? Uh, it's just awesome. I was humbled by it. So I said, yes, please do that. Thank you. Uh, and so they did, they like set it up, they, they brushed it in, they tied it down. Like it was, it was set up way better than I had set mine up. Um, and like I, I nothing happened that day sitting in there blind, uh, and they came by and packed it up and drove me all the way back to my camp, you know, threw my bike in the back of their truck and it was just awesome. Uh, but so I woke up that next day, like it's happening, like uh, based on what they're telling me, uh, you know, their knowledge of the area and, and they had hunted in there a few times before they, uh, they had helped out a wounded vet in there a couple years prior. And they were just telling me this tank that we just set you up on, like it is the tank you're, you're like, <laughs> there's no guarantees in hunting, but they're like, you're going to see something. You're going to you're going to shoot a buck tomorrow. Um, so I'm just jazzed out of my mind. And so, uh, all the usual camp stuff, charge the bike, uh, sleep in my truck, which was surprisingly like I've slept in the front seat of a Tacoma a few times, uh, with my buddy, Josh. Uh, it's not bad for sleeping in a truck, but I figured like day after day I'm getting old. Uh, speaking of getting old, forgot this detail. Uh, when I was leaving my blind after, after uh, Seth's dad had tagged out and uh, he said, hey, you could come sit in our blind. Uh, so I'm riding out of there on my bike and I had been nervous about this, but like try not to think about it. Uh, finally, like I just caught my tire in this groove of erosion that I couldn't like I just couldn't avoid it all happened so fast but I just ate it hard like fell right off the bike landed on my chest which had my bino harness on it uh kind of my face a little bit um and at 38 it hurts a lot more to fall off the bike than the last time I did which was probably like age 10 um man just yeah sore and achy and I say all that to say getting out of the truck that morning I was excited but I'm feeling it like I've slept in a truck for a few nights I just ate 
crap off my bike. Uh, like I'm, I'm feeling the, uh, for a not very physical hunt, you know, cause I'm riding a bike around and sitting in a blind. I was feeling it pretty good, but I, I get the earliest start I have yet, uh, on that hunt because so many things kept happening and going wrong. Uh, I had a snooze button mishap one morning, uh, you know, where I thought I hit snooze, I hit cancel and woke up an hour and a half later. Um, just these things that kind of happen sometimes. So this morning I'm up on time. The bike is charged. I'm out of camp on time and I'm rolling into my blind, like right at, right at sunrise. Like just, I had just been able to like click the headlight off of my bike, you know, just before I, I rolled into that tank. So I rolled up and I'm trying to do everything as right as I can. So there are some like cattle troughs and stuff scattered around the tank. So I, I, instead of keeping my bike bike propped up, I laid it on its side behind a tank. So it would just kind of like blend in and disappear. I'm trying to give the antelope no reason to think anything is fishy. So as I, I sit there all morning, uh, nothing much is happening. I hear moo cows coming in from behind me. And so I watch them and sure enough, there's two cows and three calves that come in and, and get a drink. And, and I decided to use that as a chance to like, kind of practice a little bit like antelope and, you know, just have the most insane eyes of any creature like them and turkeys, like the eyes will get you. So I'm like, okay, well, cows aren't even that good, but like, what can I get away with here in this blind? And so I was kind of careless a little bit moving around and they pegged me, uh, they didn't care because they're cows and I didn't care because they're cows. So like the, one of the cows just kind of went back and got closer to her calves and then they turned around and still came walking in the way they were going to come in. Um, but after that I started like trying to play around with like, okay, can stay low, stay still. Uh, I was filming them almost to practice like, okay, what can I get away with, with this camera as I'm trying to film a, a buck. And, uh, it was, it was a great little opportunity to, to practice some of that. And so the cows just came in, got a drink, went, you know, 30, 40 yards behind my blind and just laid down. Uh, and then over the course of the morning, more cows showed up. They had like a party in the tank behind me. So I was kind of in between. There's this like trough drinker thing. And then there's this big, just, you know, natural tank in the ground. Uh, and they just kind of had a party in that ground tank for a while. Uh, just great. Just a bunch of cows hanging around uh, with not a care in the world that I'm there. But I figured this has got to work for my advantage because buck if a buck like crests this hill and looks down into this tank sees all the cattle hanging around like that's just got to be a signal for him like okay nothing weird's going on here just keep coming in and so right at noon like i'm sitting there it's getting hot uh you know thinking man i really thought by now like it, it's a pretty hot day not a lot of breeze no cloud cover you know I figured bucks and you know, uh, the, the other guy tagged out at like six 30 in the morning the day before at a different tank. So I've hit that point where it's shifted. You know, you're like, you're alert and expectant for the first hour or two. And then as time goes on, you just, you still believe it can happen, but you just mentally, like you can't maintain that level of focus all the time. So I'm sitting there and I'm my plan is to like sit low in the blind and I can just slowly kind of pop my head up and, you know, scan around and then sit low again. Cause in that low state, like they just, they can't see anything. Like it's just a blind there. My face isn't even within eyesight of them. And so right at noon, uh, I just kind of pop my head up a little bit and there's a buck who's already crested the hill and he's just walking straight into that tank. Uh, and it all happened so fast. Like it just, oh, he, he is coming in. So stay low. Uh, and so I, I, you know, dropped out of my chair down to my knees, picked up my bow, uh, fired up the cameras 
And I had, when I was messing around with the cows, I had devised this plan like, okay, the camera is, the main camera is up, pointed out towards the tank. Um, I can tilt that viewfinder on the back of the camera down and I can just reach up with my hand and I can swivel uh, and like adjust the camera and still be out of sight of them as long as they don't catch the camera movement. And I can use that viewfinder, like keep, stay low, look up the viewfinder of the camera to see what the buck is doing and watch when his eyes go out of sight. And then I can, you know, draw low and then just pop up uh, and have the best chance of, of getting them. So that's what I did. I got him in camera. I'm watching, you know, crouched low, ready to draw. Finally, he drops his head down into the drinker. Uh, and I go to move my bow to, to draw and I hit something. I don't, I don't know if the bow hit something, if my foot hit something, but some noise was made and I see on the camera, he pops his head right up and looks over. Uh, so I just freeze and he like, he probably looked for a second or two, didn't see anything, went right back to drinking. I thought, oh man, I can't believe I got away with that. Okay. Uh, so still crouched low. I draw the bow back and then I just rise up slowly on my knees, uh, to, to look at him. He doesn't see me like he doesn't stop drinking. He doesn't, I can see his eyeball, but it just, I, I don't know if he was so focused on drinking or whatever. Didn't care. Didn't move. All right. I think most hunters can relate to this, that I'm an absolute information junkie and I've lost more hours than I care to admit diving down a research rabbit hole. And because of that, I love a good online course that's going to take me on a deep dive into whatever topic has captured my attention. Usually it has to do with hunting. So when I learned about outdoor class, I knew it was going to be something I was way into. I just didn't realize it was going to be as next level awesome as it is. Outdoor class is the e-learning platform for the outdoorsman. It has a top-notch lineup of the most reputable voices in the industry sharing their vast knowledge on all things hunting on one amazing platform. Ever want to learn how to elk call? Outdoor class has you covered. Freezer full of deer meat, outdoor class will show you how to turn that into a meal to remember. When I first signed up, I started diving into Remy Warren's course on finding mule deer. Absolutely next level. And they have the web-based course and a mobile app to boot, so you can up your hunting game no matter where you're at. The platform is already packed with tons of amazing content, and I've been talking to the guys behind this, and there is so much more in the works from big names in the industry that I'm super pumped about. So head over and check out Outdoor Class today, and if you use the code LATE at checkout, you'll save 20% on your registration. So I settle in, uh, get my sight picture all lined up, level that bubble. I know he is at the backside of that tank that he's at is 38 yards. Uh, and he's quartered to like almost at a direct like 45 degree angle. Uh, and so for a second, I pause and think, okay, do I want to wait? Like if he's going to finish drinking, maybe he'll turn. Maybe he'll give me a full broadside shot. At the same time, I can see just that like inside shoulder like it's not a dead-on frontal shot but you know i've seen guys take this shot especially on antelope you know the quartering two go on the the front side of the shoulder and just punch it at an angle right through that chest cavity uh and, and that target like in the moment that target looks huge and i'm just like this is this is a clean shot like he does has no idea i'm there um i've got him you know inside 40 yards that's a very makeable shot so i just you know settle that pin squeeze back the shot breaks feels real clean and i hear it just i just hear it pummel him uh and he swings around uh and starts to try to run out like the this tank was also in a depression so he's got to kind of run up and over this hill um but he is like his front left leg is toast like he's running he's kind of trotting on three legs uh moving and getting slower as he goes like he sprinted out 
swung around, sprinted out, and then is just sort of like hobbling his way up this hill. And so I think this this sucker's done. Like as far from my vantage point, I heard it hit. I saw the arrow disappear, and so I assume it just goes straight through his his cap his chest cavity. Uh, and so as he's kind of limping his way, I'm like, I'm going to watch this thing fall. Like I'm, I'm pit swiveling the camera to keep it on him. So I'm like any step like this, this thing's going to stagger and fall over. He's going to be dead within sight. This is amazing. And so he gets up to the top of that hill and stops and he's just kind of looking around, standing on three legs. Like, why is this, why is this thing not falling over? What's going on? Uh, and then it dawns on me like, well, I, I don't know what's going on, but I should, like he's standing right there. I should get a second shot off. Uh, so he's at a different angle now. I have to open this other window in the blind uh, and I range him and he's at 94 yards, uh, which is is never a first shot I would take on an animal. But for follow up shot, it's why I shoot the slider. Uh, the two reasons. One is to practice at long distances and two is for follow up shots like a situation just like this where he's still within range. I can roll that tape uh, and try to get another arrow in him. So, uh, that's what I do. I roll the tape. I, I draw back. Uh, I do my best to take my time, but this, you, if you've been there, you know, like this is second shot time. The adrenaline is through the roof. Like, uh, it's all just a blur. Um, but I, I send it, I hear the arrow hit something. Uh, and then the, the buck just, you know, takes off, runs down the other side of that hill. So I'm just left there to collect myself and think, holy cow okay i don't know why he didn't fall as quick as i thought but this like that first shot just hammered him like i grabbed the main camera i watched the footage back i see it just hit him uh it, it look everything looks so good and so i decide okay i'm gonna go find my that first arrow because that's gonna tell me a lot and uh, i'm out of sight of him so i'm not gonna spook anything let me get out of this blind go find that arrow and so i walk up and sure i see the arrow laying right there and as i pick it up i i like the highs and lows of bow hunting, right? Like I, I am so elated. I can't believe this just happened. He was a nice buck too. Uh, and then I find the arrow and it's got an inch of blood on it. And the broad head has been snapped out and broken off. Uh, and so I knew I, I missed him just to the right. I buried in that shoulder blade, uh, the, the broad head buried in there. Uh, I don't, don't know if I broke his leg or if it was just stunned. Uh, but that like, and then as he whipped around, he broke off the arrow, uh, and left it laying there on the ground. So I think crap, that's that like, he's not going to die from that. Uh, and so I, then I decide, okay, I'm going to run up this hill, get to the top, uh, and you know, look around glass around, see if I can see him still on his feet. Uh, and so I, I do that and I don't see anything I can, in any direction. I can't see him. He's not laying anywhere. I don't see him moving along. And sure enough, like a, surely a three legged antelope is not going to cover that much ground that fast. Uh, but he's just not there. Uh, I've got some decent blood up at the top where I can see where he was when I shot the second time. Um, and I just realized like, well, crap, okay, we've got, we now have a tracking job because I've got a, I've got to figure out if that second arrow hit him well, uh, or hit him at all <laughs> and, uh, you know, try to get on blood and see what's going on. Uh, so I start tracking there's, there's good blood right where he was, right where he stood for a while. And it, you know, kind of dripped out of that muscle wound on his front shoulder. Uh, and, and I find a few more, you know, small pin drops kind of moving down the hill from where he left. Uh, and then I decide like, okay, well there's that, but man, I would, if I could find that second arrow, that would really help. Uh, and so I start just kind of like looking at the trajectory of from where I shot and where he was. And, and I do a couple, you know, laps around the area, trying to find where that arrow's laying. I don't find it anywhere. 
So I go, maybe it's still in him. Maybe, you know, who knows, but okay, I'm going to have to do this the right way. So I go back to my blind, to like grab some of my stuff. Cause I had just left the blind, like let's walk out, find this arrow. Uh, so I grab my pack and my bow and, and all of that. Well, that's, I had the bow with me in case I saw him when I crested the hill. But, um, so I, I think it's all a blur. Maybe I didn't have the bow with me. I went to the blind to, to get what I needed, uh, to, to start tracking this thing. Uh, and so I, I, start tracking and it's pin drops and but i can like follow his path down the hill uh and then i see like he he went down and then he kind of synced up with this well-worn cattle trail uh, and as he did that there's a couple there's two like really great pools of blood like they are they're not necessarily bubbly uh and this is middle of the day hot hot day so everything is like cooking all the blood is already dark and dry um so I can't really tell if it's like bubbly lung stuff or just, you know, cooked off dark blood. But these two really big pools, uh, I'm like, OK, that's promising. That's exciting. Uh, and then but then it would go right back to pin drops and and his tracks along the side of all these cattle tracks. Uh, and, and then I as I'm tracking that, I find the arrow like it, it's not on the like it's lying off to the side um, and it has it's a full pass through like there is blood down on all three fletchings all the way down the thing it doesn't smell like anything really so definitely not guts um but again like it's been baking in the sun for a bit now and so i really can't tell is, is this bubbly is this just like is this dried bubbly blood or is it just blood i you know i, I the arrow's not telling me much other than it went totally through him and, and near that arrow where i found it laying there i found the second nice good pool of blood so I'm like, okay, well, if it's pin drops between, you know, if every 10 to 15 feet, there's this nice big pile and then it's pin drops between the two, like that's still, that's still promising. And so I, I'm tracking, you know, one, one drop after another. Uh, and I can also, I'm kind of getting on his tracks as well. And so I could sort of follow the tracks and the blood and, you know, move my way along. Uh, and I finally get to the point where it's just like, I lose the tracks. Like he deviates off this cattle trail uh, the ground gets a little harder and I have this, I have this one track, I have, you know, a few drops of blood and I've got nothing after that in any direction. I can't figure it out. So I, th I mark that and just think like, okay, well, I don't, I mean, I've had these few good piles of blood. Maybe he's just laying up somewhere and there's, I could, he was heading this direction and there's this kind of cut around here. Let me walk over there. Uh, like, okay. I look all around there. There's nothing. Uh, I, I, I almost having just like these instinct moments, like, you know what, just, he was heading this direction, just walk up and over and look down into the straw. And, and, you know, you want to believe like, okay, well, that's like, that's like the voice of the Lord, right? Like I'm going to walk up and he's just going to be laying right there. Didn't even have to track. He's just there. Uh, but that's not what's going That's that would, ended up being just wishful thinking because I would walk up. He's not there. I made a couple big loops around just looking behind every little pocket in every little draw off of there just to see if there's somewhere he was running to, you know, find somewhere to feel safe and, and laid down and died. And I could not. So uh, at this point I had, I found a spot with some cell service. Uh, I called my wife, I had updated my wife on the inReach, but I called her just to let her know like, Hey, I I'm, it's been a couple hours now. Uh, I'm at this last track. I don't know where he went from there. Uh, but I'm going to keep 
keep giving it a go. I'm going to keep looking. We'll see what happens. I also called my buddy Josh just to to get his take. He was actually driving back from uh, his <laughs> his mule deer hunt in Utah, the same hunt that he and I went on last year. And this year, obviously, I drew this antelope tag that had the same dates, so I wasn't able to go with him. He tagged out on his first day of hunting. Uh, so he's driving back uh, and we just kind of talk it through. And, and he gave me one great piece of advice. He said, like, find the tracks. Like if, if it's pin drop blood like that, if you can get on his tracks and follow those, it'll be a lot easier, and a lot smoother. I thought that's great advice. I'm going to head back to the blind where I had left all my food, eat a little something, drink some more water, uh, head back to that last track and see, you know, see what I'm missing. Cause I'm certainly missing some, something. He didn't like get picked up by aliens and disappear. Uh, and so that's what I do. And I go and sure enough, as soon as I started like focusing less on blood and more on tracks, I knew like, okay, there's his next track. Okay. And there's the one after that. And I could start to identify like, okay, here's his back feet. And he's still, it, it appeared the best I could see, like he was still hobbling on just the one front foot. And every now and then in real soft stand, I would even see like where his his dead leg was like dry, would kind of drag along in the sand. Uh, and at that point it became like, okay, the pretty easy tracking, like, okay, there's a track, take a step. There's a track. Uh, and i and every now and like, okay, track, track, Ooh, track with blood next to it. Track, track, track. Ooh, a little bit of blood. Uh, and just sort of that thing for the next 300 yards. Are you a new hunter or even a guy with some miles under his boots? Who's still just trying to figure it out. I get it. I've been there. I'm an adult onset hunter who spent the last 15 years learning how to hunt. And so I wrote the book, How to Hunt, A Total Beginner's Guide to Hunting Big Game, as the resource I wish existed all those years ago when I first started. Whether you're planning to chase elk with your bow in the west, or you're hunting whitetails back east, this book will take you from knowing absolutely nothing to your first harvest. It's packed with hunting stories and plenty of those times where I royally screwed up so you can learn from my mistakes and feel better that you're not the only one. You'll leave with a sound strategy for hunting big game and have plenty of laughs along the way. Grab a copy today at latetothegameoutdoors.com slash howtohuntbook. Uh, just kind of up and over this little draw. And then I get back to the main dirt road and I see that, okay, he crosses this road. I found a couple little pin drops of blood on the road, found where he, you know, went over to the other side of the road. Uh, and from the spot where I tracked him to the spot where now I'm past the road is about 400 yards. And then I track for another 60 yards. I've got, you know, decent, easy to follow tracks, a couple pin drops of blood and then it all disappears. Like it hits this spot where it's this little kind of just this little depression, not even really a wash, but just this little spot where clearly the water runs down. Uh, it's all very rocky. There's not really any sand. Uh, and there's actually all this little green stuff growing up along the way to mask everything. And I can't find, I can't pick it up anywhere. I can't figure out like if I go in a straight line where it was going, there's nothing obvious there. I, you know, branched out in every direction, couldn't find anything. This is literally the last track. And so kind of like the last time I just marked it and said, okay, well, he was heading up towards this saddle. Let me walk up there, glass over the other side. Uh, and then from there, I just went from like every little, every little knob, every little ridge, every little cut. Like I was just in and out of that whole area looking, trying to find, I'm listening for coyotes. I'm looking for crows, uh, like something that would lead me to where this buck is. And it was nothing. I, I spent a full five and a half hours from the time I shot tracking this thing. 
uh, and he he was just gone. I did, never picked him up on his feet. Uh, never obviously found him laying dead anywhere. Just vanished. Uh, and and there was there was nothing more I could do. I went back to that last track over and over, trying to like walk again and see. Okay, maybe I, this time I could pick up the next track and figure out where he was going. I just can't. Uh, I pulled out my map and looked like, okay, wounded animals head to water. Is there any water in this direction he's heading towards? And there was nothing, nothing on the map that I no no tank, no, you know, crevice that looks like it would hold some water, like all the water's on the other side of the road. So, you know, for him to get water, he was going to have to eventually like loop back around and head back to the other side of the road uh, and pick up a different tank. So I don't know what happened to him. And I finally just in had that moment that's, Every bow hunter, if you play this game long enough, will have that moment where you accept, I am not going to find this thing. Like, he is gone. I don't know if he's dead. I don't know if he's going to live to fight another day. Um, In his case, if he is, and (laughs) if he's still on three legs, it's only a matter of time before coyotes catch up with a three-legged antelope. Um, It is just the the most sickening feeling. Uh, Before this, I've only ever lost uh, one javelina which also felt sickening like it's this little 30 pound stink pig but it feels awful um and man just to lose this buck uh it was the worst um i still were how many days? i think i'm four or five days out from this having happened and uh i still feel pretty sick about it like it just it hurts uh to know that you've wounded this thing possibly killed this thing uh, and, and I mean, you, you kind of comfort yourself in the fact that, okay, well, he's part of this bigger ecosystem. And so my screw up is going to benefit, you know, the coyotes or the crows or the vultures or what it like other things will live and thrive because of this. Uh, but you still just hate to see that happen. Um, and I've since gone back and, and watched the footage and picked it apart frame by frame. Uh, and I can see where that arrow hits. And it was, they say bow hunting is a game of inches. If that arrow was literally one inch to the left, uh, that's a dead antelope all day long. Like it just, just that little, that one inch just made all the difference. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> to complete the story, like I accepted my fate, let my wife know. And uh, it was, you know, probably an hour of sunlight left for that day. And I just, I, I toyed with, okay, I could stay here tonight and spend some time tomorrow trying to find him. But there's this, just that feeling of like, you just feel so sick that all you want is to get out of there. Like I just, you just don't even want to be there. Like you just, <laughs> the, the impulse in your brain is like, just get out of here. Like, I don't want to be around this. I, I don't want to, Uh, I mean, there's no saving the meat anymore at that point. Anyway, it would simply just be a matter of finding him just to kind of know, to see the, where was that second arrow? What was that wound? Like, why was the blood so bad? Like, you know, trying to like forensically figure, figure out what was going on. Um, but that desire wasn't strong enough, wasn't stronger than the desire to just like get out. So obviously I consider my tagged punched, my tag punched. Uh, I, there's no way I would have stayed there and, and, tried to shoot a different antelope. Um, so just, uh, came back, uh, packed up the blind, loaded it all on my bike, rode back to camp, uh, immediately just threw all of camp into the back of the truck, uh, and hit the road came home late that night and, uh, just, just licking my wounds. So 
a very, very depressing end uh, to a very challenging hunt. Uh, and I don't want to end it on such a down note. So I will say one, the, the big positive that came out of this hunt, honestly, uh, was, was Seth and his dad, uh, and just seeing just how cool other hunters can be. Um, I have very rarely encountered like the D bag hunter out there. Like they do exist, but there's not many of them. Most hunters are very cool guys and gals. Um, and we all just want to share the space, share the animals, uh, just figure out like, oh, you're going here. I'm going there. We can stay out of each other's way. Uh, let's all have a good hunt. Uh, and like, hey, if you get something down, call me. I'll come help you. Like that. That's that's what it is. These guys went even above and beyond that. I mean, just the fact that they're they're sharing intel, they're sharing their blind, they're moving my blind for me to a better location. Um, just so that, and staying out of my way so that, Hey, we're going to do all of this stuff for you to help your hunt. Uh, and we're also going to not, you know, try to not interfere with this day of hunting that you have right here. Um, just incredible guys. So, so grateful to have met them. Uh, I'm saving his number. He's in my phone as Seth antelope hunter. Uh, and I really do hope to, to stay in touch with him. Just a great, great dude. Uh, he and his dad, both just awesome guys. Uh, so that is a uh, moral of the story. Other hunters can be awesome. We should all strive to be as great of a, an other hunter as Seth and his dad are. Like uh, they, they went above and beyond for sure. Uh, and I'm trying to like brighten my tone because so much of that was such a downer for so long. Uh, the fall is just kicking off. Uh, we've got other stories to tell. Uh, I, I got to get my buddy Josh on to tell the story of his uh, buck because it's just amazing we, we talked on the phone as we were both driving back from our hunts that night and i got the whole story i should have hit record on the phone uh but i'll have to have him on to tell that story and i am leaving gosh in less than a week for uh i've, I've decided to do this kind of impulse quick over-the-counter elk hunt in utah uh because i just can't help myself i love chasing elk with my bow and i didn't have that planned this year and i finally uh succumbed to the pressure and i'm going to go do that uh so that story will be coming soon as well Thank you guys for listening. Uh, You know, I always try to bring you the real side of hunting. And so a story like this, which in some ways I would rather not tell, uh, I know is helpful to some because you've either already been there and you know exactly how it feels uh, or you haven't yet. uh, But like I said, if if you do this long enough, it's going to happen at some point. It's just the reality. Uh, And so hopefully... Uh, there's something in here you can kind of fall back on uh, as you as you process that and uh, and just know that you're not alone. Other people have felt this, um, and you just you just do your best uh, to make the best choice you can in the moment. Uh, learn from it and do better next time. That that's that's all we can do. All right, guys, I got to wrap this up. This is way longer than it's supposed to be. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hunting Stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with Late to the Game, go ahead and check us out at latetothegameoutdoors.com or give us a follow on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.